0: to psr people speaking rail happy new year to everyone uh good to see you joanna did you have a good uh break here for the holidays
1: yeah i did um yeah i went home to uh to west virginia actually (laughs) my parents Mm -hmm. live in north central west virginia so um uh you you know whenever i I go out of town um there are two like whether it's my parents or my in-laws i'm sorry it's like too much information now but um but I know that there's a CS, CSX line like running kind of nearby where my mm-hmm. parents live, and so I hear you know the freight train whistle. I'm like, it's a CSX train that's coming. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was exciting. Uh, but anyway, how was how was your how was your how were your holidays?
0: Yeah, just just fine. Stay around here in, in Dallas. I mean, that's what I was thinking when you brought up West Virginia. I'm like, that's a good railroad state there. Move a lot of coal through mm-hmm. there, of course. Um, so that's good. Keep keep tabs on uh, CSX. Uh, so what we have today um maybe a little bit less news than would typically be the case but we're going to talk a little bit about outlook for safety legislation in 2024 which um you know based on reading your article may not come to fruition talk a little bit about the red sea situation um talk a little bit about rail cars Going to hear more about uh, rail cars uh, later this week with Greenbrier reporting um, and those are kind of the main topics have to t- I, we have to talk about uh, today if anyone's not already signed up for um, the railroad uh, newsletter we have a newsletter that goes out every Thursday you, you can subscribe to that as well as the other newsletters go to freightwaves.com forward slash subscribe scroll all the way down to the bottom to the left is where you're going to find that rail uh, newsletter um, be in your inbox uh, every Thursday. Uh, so be sure to do that if you're not signed up for that already. And with that, want to hit on our first, um, you know, topic here, which is: Will Congress pass any rail safety bills in 2024? You wrote this up, um, you know, on, on New Year's Day, apparently. Um, and so, <laughs> read through this uh, this morning, and you know, I wasn't convinced that there was going to be um, Congress was going to pass any rail le- legislation, but I think after reading this. I'm more convinced that maybe it's it's not likely. Was that the impression that you got from the the people that you talked to?
1: I get the sense. So it, it, it was interesting, like, you know, the, the various people I talked to in, in the story. Um, I, I get the sense from the unions, um, you was know, speaking with Transportation Trades Department and actually also um, Smart TD, uh, which I wasn't able to include because I... Yeah, I talked a little bit later, but, um, but, you know, I, I get the sense that, that there is, I don't want to say an uphill battle, but, but that there does need to be work done, um, mainly because, lots of it, because, um, it's an election year, um, and, and, uh, and it wasn't just, or it wasn't just Transportation and Trades Department that said it, but also Association of American Railroads, I think, said it, that, um, or someone else did <laughs> that um they you but know, with with it being an election year um you know you have a lot of uh you have you know potential legislation moving forward in the first half of the year but then the second half of the year um there's so much attention um being uh brought on uh you know to to the um presidential elections. Actually now that I think about it, it was it was the um, the, the consultant that, that mentioned the election year um, issue, mm-hmm. um, and not AAR. But um, but it was interesting too because you know when I spoke to AAR about it, um, you know they were uh, they were actually fairly cautious in, in their remarks and saying that you know that that uh, that the two um, you know Senate uh, Senate um, senators you know, uh, J.D. Vance and um, Sherrod Brown, you know, they're, they're still very interested in getting um, some sort of legislation move forward. Right. And so, um, you know, so, so no one's really quite saying that uh, that a safety bill will or rail safety bill will or won't happen. But um, it's it's not, you know, it, it sounds like either way, um, you kind of prepare for both scenarios that could happen and couldn't happen. Um, but also... Uh, being prepared with the idea that, you know, you really (laughs) got to push if you want something to happen. That's kind of what the impression I got from people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, after that East Palestine derailment, it got to be such a big news story with all the pictures of the smoke um, from the controlled burn that, um, you know, would have thought that there would have been um, some kind of, you know, act of Congress last year. Now that we're into the, the, the election year. You know you have that shortened window that you describe in the in the article. And it just doesn't seem likely. I mean aside from Ohio and Pennsylvania, because you know East Palestinians are on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania, it just doesn't seem like to me it's like the kitchen table issue that people are going to be focused on this year. I mean it does seem likely that maybe you get some additional rules coming out of the FRA um, which regulates the railroads on the issues of safety. So potentially, you know, more guidance as far as the hot box t- detectors, you know, I think, you know, might be, you know, potential that you'll have a, 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 crew size law that requires, you know, have a minimum, you know, two person, you know, tr- train crew in, in, the consist, um, and you know, those things, but it just to, to, to me, I mean, I would, I would sort of agree with the sort of the premise of the article that it seems unlikely that there's going to be, you know, Safety legislation. I mean, know those. Um, you know, the the Republican, um, you know, House leaders. So they want they want that report, that final report from the NTSB on East Palestine, exactly what happened there. And because it was such an unusual situation that those uh, wheel bearings heated up to such a degree in such a short number of, of miles such just a, such a, a small number of miles um, so they want to figure out exactly what happened so there you know the, any legislation would be to address those specific issues so those things don't happen again um, you know you talked about you know earlier on some of your other articles about how CSX had a derailment that seemed to almost mirror Norfolk Southern, in terms of the cause, um, at least as far as we know, I mean, investigation is still taking place, but as, as far as wheel bearings, you know, heating up, so I think that one remains to to, to, to be seen. So we'll continue to to to, to watch uh, to watch that. Uh, we also had a, a, a article that was just kind of an infographic on the FreightWaves website on the number of injuries, and I thought this was kind of a funny one uh, to me because. This is injuries. So, this is reported by the FRA and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And I, I sort of get the premise that you sort of make the argument that um, railroads are the sport, safest form of, of surface transportation, you know, but some of the, you know, comparing it to some of these industries that have nothing to do with it. And, and this is the, the frequency of injuries per 200,000 employee hours. And, and then we're saying here that the railroads have. Fewer injuries per two hundred thousand employee hours than all these other industri- indi- 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 industries, including one of the one of the, the worst is grocery stores. I assume those are, you know, accidents at the at the meat slicer. Um, but to me, this this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's not the number of injuries; it's the, the severity um, of the injuries. Actually, it was, was surprised to see air transportation, um, you know, up at the up at the top there. I mean, my understanding was that commercial air travel is the safest way to get anywhere. I mean, some some years there's absolutely no one, you know, dies in the United States and, on a commercial airplane and those that do, it's just, you know, heart attack in the wrong place at the wrong time. But but that's maybe air transportation includes, you know, private planes and those things. But, um, you know, that was kind of a uh, an infographic that maybe needed a little bit more context in terms of um, the severity of the, the injuries. At least that was my perception. Did you have any thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, having a little bit more context, um, would be helpful in in terms of, you know, what, what constitutes a reportable injury. And that's actually something I think that, um, the the railroad companies have have argued in terms of not so much injuries, but just like accident data. Like when you're talking about Mm -hmm. an increase of accidents, like, is it like a big accident or is it like a little sort of, um, I am say a little accident. But I'm trying to think. Citation. I, I think that's what it what they're talking about. You know, like I think Union Pacific, for instance, you know, uh when they um put the Federal Railroad Administration was kinda of pointing out like an increase um in in um not citations, but you know, just sort of uh I can't think of the word right now. <laughs> it's the new year, but uh yeah. but uh, yeah, it's just like an increase in sort of um noticeable errors or, or, or whatever like you know union pacific sort of says oh well you know you don't really know how severe that is so i guess with this accident uh, with the injury yet um it would be interesting to know exactly what um constitutes as an injury so uh, for starters um, but actually if I just make one quick point about the um, the rail safety bill going back to that I, you know I, there was a quote that I didn't put in and maybe I probably should have put in but I I wasn't able to get confirmation on it in time um, so or not so much confirmation because that's really more of a, an opinion quote but it was interesting because um, one of the sources uh someone I had spoken to um had said uh you know we're we're even though you know you have questions about whether a rail safety bill will move forward in twenty twenty four, you're also sort of one accident away <laughs> from from uh rail safety bill uh, getting you know pushed mm-hmm. forward, which mm-hmm. sounds kind of um uh sounds kind of a little sad. But at the same time, you know, it is it is true. I mean, you know, you know, God forbid if there's another Um, event like East Palestine, you can be sure that, you know, uh, there'll be forces that will be trying to move things much more quickly than, than, um, than a year ago.
0: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D.
1: Or maybe not more quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, great point there. I mean, usually when there is a big safety legislation, it is a result of some big you know, accident i mean it was the the chatsworth california that gave rise to the positive train control it was the lock Megantic that gave rise to you know additional regulations sur- surrounding you know tank cars you know the head shields the coils and in- insulation all those things um and you know potentially the east palestine gives rise to you know new rules on on you know hot box detectors but what remains to be seen but that's gets a good point i mean that anything could could happen that, that really is a another catalyst um for that um, you know, I want to move on to talk about um, you know, rail cars. So um, you know, later this week, Greenbrier is gonna report earnings. They always were the, sort of the report the first week of, of January. always so when I was a stock analyst I had a hard time with that one, clearing my the cobwebs out of my, my head um middle of January. Uh, but um, so there's a good article written by Dick Closter that's um, on progressive railroading which you know he provides a, um, I should mention who he is, founder of Integrity Rail Partners. He's been around the industry a long time, knows the rail, rail uh, car manufacturing industry well. Uh, so I always read that article um, when it comes out every year. I think it's, a, it's an annual one. And he's saying he expects 41,000 new rail cars to be built. That's down from about 45,000 this year. We don't have the final numbers on that. Uh, th- those will come uh, in, a, in a week or two and um the preliminary forecast for 2025 is 43,464 so so let's go say go from 45,000 to 41 to 43,000 those strike me as expectations that are not wildly bearish or bullish um you sort of think of replacement demand as you know let's in rough numbers 1.6 million rail cars they last about 40 years on average you know tank cars <laughs> not as long as some other types of freight cars but that gets you about forty thousand, and then there's some, you know, obsolescence or moving to the higher capacity cars. So forty to forty five thousand, roughly, is, is 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 kind of the average. But then he goes into some detail about some of the specific car types, um, saying you know, box cars order rates fallen, but retirements are up, and ca- capacity is still constrained on box cars. It's been a, a shrinking component of the the rail car fleet. You know, covered hoppers still has a large backlog of 30,000 cars some of those are multi-year orders you know retirements there are increasing so covered hoppers primarily used to, to move grain and, and other things that you know can't be i mean plastic pellets and other you know uh, types of freight that can't be, you know get wet from the from the rain and then tank cars um you know he's expecting deliveries of 10,500 in 2024 up 20 percent from the three-year average um and they are saying he supports that says you know some of those uh, data there supports higher lease rates um replacement demand for flammable cars some age profile in several segments so almost looking at that i mean it makes me kind of bullish um i just said uh, his comments on the tank cars which said you know they believe the the freight car manufacturers are in a higher margin on the tank cars you know it makes you a little bit more bullish i would say on Trinity's year, maybe on Greenbrier's year, and they both manufacture tank cars, and on GATX, which leases a lot of the a lot of the tank cars. So, um, anything else you are expecting from Greenbrier when when they report um, on Friday?
1: Yeah, um, I don't think so. It's I, you know, from from what I remember, you know, from the, from the last series of, of earnings calls, um, uh, you know. Of course, they're all going to say that, you know, that, you know, they're going to emphasize the positive, but it didn't, it didn't seem um, that, that any of them, um, you know, were, were, were anticipating, um, you know, uh, significant, you know, any, any sort of like market downturns, I guess, in the sense of like, you know, uh, and being able, you know, I, I think there was, um, a sense of um uh you know that that things will will only get better uh of course, I know you know like i said it's it's you usually you know put a positive spin on the, the on those earnings calls, but you know but there wasn't any um there wasn't really so much of a uh comment you know sort of a cautionary like okay, well measured mm-hmm. i guess you know sometimes when 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 Executive speak, like sometimes they'll they'll put a positive spin, but then there's there's something else that's kind of a measure. Like, well, you know, there you know, with these caveats, but I, I didn't really get a sense of of caveats, in the, you know, in the last go around. So, um, of course, you know, Greenbrier, as uh, you know, they, they report early because they their, their fiscal year runs a little differently. Um, so, I think this is like the, the second quarter um, of 2024. Uh, the earnings that will be releasing this Friday. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it will probably, I, I don't really, it, 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 I think, you know what, you um, know, Dick Closter said was probably, um, will probably be in line with, um, you know, what, what we could hear from Greenbrier and the others um, in the next coming weeks.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they provide their own forecast. I mean, sometimes they'll, they'll put it up at like 50,000 instead of something in the 40s. Um, maybe my main question would be, I mean, the, the real, Uh, productivity seems to have improved with the higher service levels i mean in theory that reduces demand for rail cars because the ones in the field are being more used more productively so they'll probably get a question uh, on that i want to move on to uh, the red sea situation we have lots of articles up on freightwaves.com about the red sea this one written by greg miller um just after uh, christmas but you know greg you know putting out a lot of good articles on this that really help you keep you know up to speed and you know what's interesting uh, is Some of these different shipping lines behaving differently. Um, You know, it was Maersk and CMA-CGM headed back to the Red Sea. You know, this was after this Operation Prosperity Guardian where you have the U.S. military and its allies, you know, protecting these these vessels um, to avoid this one to two week additional transit time around the Cape of Good Hope. But then you have other uh, lines, MSC and and Hapag-Lloyd continuing to, um, you you know, avoid. That region um, near Yemen, or where the vessels are being attacked by by rebels, and uh, was kind of interesting, you know. Too is that these these annual you know contracts largely renew May first, and this could impact those negotiations. Um, you know, my colleague uh, our colleague Henry Byers did a, a webinar um, you know last week on the impact of uh, this, and that we've seen in, in sonar. One of the interesting things was that the volume of um, is, that, is that the volume? Of volume of bookings from China to Germany. This is primarily a you know China to Europe route that those those booking volumes were up. And then this uh, shows the increase in spot rates from China to North Europe. So from the lows, this has been a dramatic increase. It's been from about thousand dollars a container to sixteen hundred. And you think, wow, that's a sixty percent you know increase. That's really been tremendous. You do have to sort of put that in the context that back. You know, a year ago, it's 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 less than it was a year ago, even with this whole Red Sea situation, and way less than it was during the pandemic. If you scroll out further, it was you know ten to fifteen thousand. So it's um, it's still like ten, you know, a little over ten percent of of its absolute you know high during the during the pandemic. So it is it is up a lot up from a very low uh, level, and I guess the way that you would interpret that. I mean you know another interesting thing is, is you look at some of the stock prices, those have bounced. Um bounced from a high level. If I look at Zim, uh you know, the, the stock trade on, on, on Zim, I think, which that's you know bounced from its low, you know, that's been almost almost a double from its its absolute low. If you could trade could trade that close to six dollars, now it's a, it's a, it's at eleven oh five up about twelve percent for the day, that is down from, you know, twenty four dollars in in, in February or March. So the idea is that longer routes takes capacity out of the, the industry that supports rates. So it's been good for the stocks. I mean, those are their stocks where there's really a lot of speculation because they move so much. Um, but I guess the way this would potentially mean for, for, for intermodal would be, is would it, it potentially encourage more shipments from China the u.s west coast rather than china to the u.s east coast one of the things that, that greg miller talked about was that there were some um, ships that would have gone from china to the u.s um east coast through the panama canal that all water out through the panama canal but because of the drought in the panama canal that some of those had been rerouted from china through the suez and the red sea and and so that was, was temporarily, you know, creating more demand for for use of the Red Sea. So potentially, all these situations could create more demand for imports into the West Coast, both of those, uh, both the Panama Canal situation and the Red Sea situation, potentially leading to more intermodal. You think of, of the containers hit the West Coast of the U.S., 65 to 70 percent of those go intermodal versus the ones that go hit the East Coast ports, maybe right. only 20 or 25 percent of those go intermodal because they're just closer to the population centers. So, it's hard to make um, you know look at the, any you know data right now because it's a slow week during the holidays, and and say that that's created a bounce in intermodal volume and there is you know time delay from there with accounting for the vessels, but you know potentially it could be good for first quarter intermodal volumes. Um, do you have any other any thoughts on on this situation?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think um, you know for sure, you know, I, I think you know keeping on uh, keeping track of. Uh, the FreightWaves website and, um, you know, what Greg Miller writes in another, um, you know, and others who might be, um, looking at the issue, you know, that's, that's certainly something to, to keep in, you know, keep in mind. Um, you know, cause even, you know, we, we had a meeting this morning and, you know, Greg was talking about just how, you know, the situation is, uh, evolving right now. And, and Maersk is actually saying, well, actually we're not going to do, you know, go through the Red Sea after all. So it's just, it, it just, there's so much, uh, there's so much that happens um every day and even like within the day so you know it's it's good to sort of keep track of of um you know what's going on with with uh with what we're producing on our website
0: yeah so we'll continue to do that and then um you know what else are you working on to, to write it for the site
1: yeah yeah so um so hopefully this week um i I will be publishing the, um, the, the issues, uh, that, uh, that real stakeholders are looking at, um, in 2024. Uh, it's, uh, sort of, what do you call that a uh, spoiler alert? It's, it's very similar to what they're seeing, what they saw in 2023. <laughs> so, um, it's also a very long story. There's like seven articles in one big story. So if you have insomnia and, okay. uh, you need, you know, <laughs> you can go up, you know, pull up the story and, um, You know, have some bedtime reading, and uh, I'll put you to sleep. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but um, but yeah. So in other words, it's actually. lots of information in, in that, um, it was able to speak with, um, several, um, people, you know, within the rail sphere, but also the, you know, shippers and unions as well. So it's, it, I feel like it's a, it's a neat sort of comprehensive, uh, look into, you know, the various issues into 2024. And I'm sure, I, I'm sure there, there are others out there too, that I, I might've missed, but, um, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's for starters, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, you can check out that, that, uh, um, that story. And what else? Oh, and I think there's also um, just kind of, you know, I spoke uh, recently with someone, um, you know, sort of looking at uh, sort of their thoughts on the intermodal market um, in 2024. I, I think, you know, a lot of people um, so far are, and Mike, you might, you probably have more thoughts about this than I do, but like, uh, you, you know, the, there's still some pressure on, on you know rail and immodal in 2024. This is the first half, and you know the second half might you know some see see some some sort of improvement. But um, uh, but just just you know some some thoughts on uh just you know how how things might look in the first half of the year. So those are the two things I'm I'm working on right now. And then of course Greenbrier has its earnings, and then and then we have the um the uh, fourth quarter results in mid late January. And of course is that I'm trying to think if that's when the rail come, when the railroads give their 2024 outlook or is that April? I'm not sure since it's fourth quarter, but um, yeah. yeah, I think when they
0: report the fourth quarter, yeah. They start reporting right after Martin Luther King's birthday. And um, usually Mm -hmm. we'll do their outlook for, you know, the 2024 along with their capital envelope, all those things. So it's a good um, time to, listen to those conference calls, even though that's, it can be a tedious, uh, you know, task. So everyone, um, you know, go check that, check out that article and hope everyone has a good day.